Hi guys, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Sanyu. Sanyu, would, li- would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Sanyu Lakoma, and I'm the founder and executive director of Brown Kids Read Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that I started to motivate all children, but especially children of color, to read more diverse literature. I'm also a junior hubber for Kids and Media Network, and I'm on their junior advisory board. I'm a basketball player. I love singing, dancing, and acting, and I'm a competitive public speaker. It's a lot of extracurricular as well. Yes. Yeah, how is time management with that, like, especially as a teen with schoolwork on top of it? Well, I pretty much live by scheduling, so every single thing that I have to do, I have to put in the calendar or like I just don't want to miss it so a lot of it goes so I okay in school I do a lot of honors and extra things in school itself so I have to keep up with that schoolwork and then basketball practices are mandatory so I have to go to those and I just put everything in the schedule and it pretty much works out so anything I think that you can do anything if you have a good schedule Great, I love that. And I'm sure you probably use that mindset when creating Brown Kids Read because I know you have a very um, huge belief in the impact of literature, especially the impact it has on the adolescent mind. So would you like to talk a bit on that and like what you believe is its significance? Sure. So first off, I think that teenagers are very, very impressionable and that they need to be able to read books that reflect themselves. But not only that, it starts at a really young age because people, humans, write about things that are important. So if you don't see yourself reflected in literature, what is the world saying about you? So it has an impact on a lot of kids' self-image and a lot of the way that they view themselves and other around them. So I think that in order to make a better world and a better place where people are edified and they feel like they're important and they feel like they're included, it's to provide them with diverse literature when they're younger, but especially books that reflect themselves. Because then they'll grow up saying, hey, I'm important, I can make an impact in the world, and then they'll be able to relay that message to other people who may not look like them, who may not have the same beliefs as them, but if everybody grows up, thinking that they're important and knowing that they have something to offer, then it's going to be a better place overall. Yeah, you can definitely tell there's almost a butterfly effect aspect to it, where when you have that sort of mindset, when you see yourself being represented in literature from an early young age, where your brain is so susceptible to these changes in the way you're adapted to literature, it can definitely have an effect when you grow up and you can provide that same diversity and representation to the future generations. Yeah, for sure. And growing up, did you were you able to surround yourself with people who looked at who looked like you? Were you finding that representation in literature? Was that a problem? Yes. Yeah, so my mom is one of my biggest cheerleaders. And ever since a young age, she supplied me with books that reflected people like me. And I know that a lot of kids around me and kids my age and even kids I went to at school did not have that same opportunity. So when I was younger, I got to read about Rosa Parks and Ruby Bridges and books like the Amazing Grace series. And I was so excited because I saw girls and strong black women who looked just like me. And it made me feel like, hey, I can do this. I can make an impact, which is why I'm doing all the things that I do now. 
That's great. Yeah, I mean, as an Indian girl, I feel like I haven't really, yes, my parents encouraged me to read just for like, you know, the skill and to be like academically strong and things like that. And I feel like the first book I read where I truly like found myself reflected in the characters was in sixth grade. Like, and it wasn't even a book that I chose to read or like was given to me. It was given to me by the my my school, which is good that schools are you know incorporating diverse literature. But it's unfortunate that it took me that long, like to almost be a teen, to find that when like you know I just experienced so many years that were so important to my development. Yeah. So when creating brown kids read like what were some really important moments that really drove you to make this decision to commit to this finally create a huge organization and business and really commit to this uh, project so the funny thing is it actually wasn't supposed to be a nonprofit in the beginning the whole story started was because my friend's mother is the author of a book and i also have an entertainment company called pathways entertainment where it's party entertainment so I was like, okay, I'm going to take this book, I'm going to create a character around it, and I'm going to make a birthday party package so that I can make money. But then <laughs> she was like, she also works at Barnes and Noble. So she had a good idea. She knew that there was the, there were these twins that have a book and they were doing an author event at Barnes and Noble, which is a fundraiser. And she wanted me to help organize it because I had already done the party package. So when I did that event, I created um, crafts for them. I performed a book and I got authors to do book signings and kids were buying the books and they were just so excited. And yeah, exactly. Which is why I wanted to replicate it and make it something that other kids would be able to enjoy and the event was actually called brown kids read because they needed a name for the event so that's where i got the name for the nonprofit. but some other things that happened that were really important to the development and where we are now is we had the same format as that event so we had these community reading events and they did not work when I first originally thought of Brown Kids Read. I was like, we can get donated spaces, we can do flyers, event brides, and you know, have crafts there, authors, and basically have a fun place for kids to enjoy. But what I realized is that parents are not going to bring their kids to an indoor event about books on a sunny Saturday afternoon when they could be going to the park and getting ice cream instead because the kids are going to beg not to go there. Yeah. So, I, yeah, exactly. So I had to, you know, revamp the the whole Brown Kids Read image and idea. And I also had this store called the Brown Reads Bookshelf. So the Brown Reads Bookshelf is an online and pop-up bookstore where I handpick all the books and we sell books that are written by and or featuring people of color. So that's something that was really exciting and it's really prospering for Brown Kids Read now because it's also a way that we can work with authors. So we have featured authors and they come to Brown Kids Read and we get three copies of their book for free which is how we make profit but their payment the way that we pay them back for that is by promoting their book on our platform and promoting their book on the website so that's something else that was really important and the last big milestone for brown kids read is the book junkie podcast which is my podcast yeah i like watched a snippet of some episodes specifically the one about a girl who lives in india and has experienced a lot of stigma relating to yeah. her period and that was crazy and really inspiring to see Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so nice. Yeah, of course. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, that was a really interesting episode too. I just want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to be featured and I I just want it to be diversity and inclusion because I want everybody to feel like they're important. 
That's great. Yeah. What were some authors maybe from your podcast that you met interacted with or like um, authors that you featured at Brown Kids Read? What were some that really stuck out to you, whether it was their cause, their books, etc.? So one that really, like this author is very close to my heart. Her name is Chrissy Lauren Adams. And she was actually the first author that we helped launch her book. So in the beginning of this year, we actually had an essay contest to promote her book called the Tell Us Your Story. And these girls would write um, their book. They would write an essay, my bad, sorry. And they would tell they would talk about their story and how they feel like they've been stereotyped because the name of Miss Chrissy's book is Parable of the Brown Girl. So Parable of the Brown Girl delves into seven different stereotypes of black girls that are happening specifically in America. And that was something that really touched my heart because I had never ever seen a book that was written specifically like that and that touched me in that way because it's about girls exactly like me. So that was a book that really impacted me. And then another book that really impacted me was hmm. oh my goodness children of blood and bone oh my gosh so Tomi Adiemi wrote a book called children of blood and bone and I love that book so much because it came of, from my love of fantasy contemporary and also characters that look like me so the main character Zeli is a girl she is so cool she's like a warrior and yes. basically <laughs> took down the whole kingdom and I just love that book so much because I personally had never seen a black girl especially a dark-skinned black girl is a lot of the time in contemporary and other young adult novels they don't have characters that look like me they may be black but they're either light-skinned or brown-skinned I, I can't identify with that yeah, colorism is definitely a huge factor for characters in literature yeah yeah exactly and that's why I think that Children of Blood and Bone was so important because it's a character that even I could play I mean I'm gonna audition for that one <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time it's just really cool to see somebody reflected and in a strong power role yeah for sure not just like you know a side character that watches the white main character you know get their hopes and dreams accomplished throughout the course of the book and you mentioned earlier how in the first book you mentioned there were a bunch of stereotypes that you really resonated with could you elaborate more on that like specifically what stereotypes and maybe your experiences being categorized in that false you know statement stereotypes Sure. So the first one that was actually in the book that I identified with was the angry black girl. So a lot of the time, I, first off, I'm a very intense person, but it's not because <laughs> I'm mean. It's just because I'm very intense. Like I like things. Yeah, opinionated, which is a really great quality, especially for women who are like, like, even without factoring the fact that you're a person of color, like women are always so belittled. I think you were like meek, quiet people just, you know, serve in the household. And like, once we start having opinions, people are caught off guard and like, it's not a normalized thing, especially for black women. I can't even imagine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You said it best because <laughs> I will be very calm and people will be like, why are you being so aggressive? Why are you being so mean? Like, what are you talking about? I'm calm. Do you want me to become aggressive? Because I can. Like, <laughs> no. Um, you. <laughs> exactly. I'm not being aggressive, but I feel like a lot of the time people disregard my feelings because I'm Black and because I might express it in a way that they take as aggressive or angry. And another one that I... Um, experience. It's actually not in the book, but it's another really big stereotype, and it's one that is like the bane of my existence, and it's the ghetto black girl. So a few months ago, I had done acrylics, and they were maybe this long. They weren't even that long, mm -hmm. and somebody had said to me, um, you know, every time I see girls that look like you 
wearing those oh things. my god I think of ghetto and i'm like come again like do you want to try that again i'm confused because i was like how am i ghetto? but then if some white girl goes and does the same thing it's high fashion it's trendy cute. yeah exactly it's trendy so how just because i have more melanin like please explain that because that did not make sense to me at all but i know things like that happen to so many other people and that's why i just want to make um books be a way for kids to understand that everybody is important and not everybody fits into a box and that we don't need to have stereotypes because they're not always right i mean there's always a piece of truth to every stereotype but overall grouping people in one box just doesn't work because we're all individuals yeah i completely agree with what you said about stereotypes like yes they're based on somewhat true facts but they don't make up the whole person you know it just completely erases the individuality of every single person erases it's basically tokenism for like a whole community full of amazing different people that come from different backgrounds you know the same way how colorism and how like not every black person on this earth has the same problems because you know they range in different like darker skins you know and things like that and something else you also said in relation to like acrylics things like that you know being someone of the asian community i can't really relate to this but like you know for east asians like people yeah. will like make fun of them for you know having slanted eyes and they'll like do this you know like yes. that's a trend for many celebrities and it's been a huge like point of discussion with my east asian friends like how offensive it is because there used to be like things where they would need to get surgeries to like fix that like mm-hmm. feature they had even though they're born with it and other people will like assume you know that um facial structure onto them even though they weren't born with the struggles that come with it or like for me being indian like i don't even know but i guess spray tans right like us mm-hmm. indian girls like the bleaching industry is so huge and like profits off of our insecurities of being tan because yeah. that's considered like lowly or like makes you low class or, like makes you uneducated because of the caste system which like mm-hmm. where lower people with darker skin are really considered untouchables yeah. or like, you know poor yeah. and the white girls are so desperate for like spray tans you know and it's just like really interesting to see contradictions in the beauty industry or, like you know just the way you express yourself yeah Exactly. And the eye thing, I think that's also really important because people don't understand how disrespectful that is. Mm-hmm. It's basically, it's like doing blackface. Yeah. What I mean, right. It's like, it's like taking somebody else's characteristic that they can't change or would have to change with like a body altering um, surgery or production or something. And it's, it's cultural appro- appropriation. And they're trying to say that it's cultural appreciation but for Asian people, it's something they cannot change. It's like me. I cannot change my skin unless I go to bleach it or unless they go to get surgery to change their eyes. They're not going to change that. And it's something that we have to embrace. And it's something that we're discriminated against because I know so many people who have been victims of jokes about their eyes. And I know so many people who have been victims of jokes about their skin, even me. And it's just so upsetting and frustrating that people don't understand that we're all like people. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you maybe have any examples of like jokes that you were like a victim of in terms of your skin color? Oh, sure. So when I used to be in school, there would be these people in class. So like, you know, when a teacher does a presentation and mm-hmm. they have to turn yeah. off the lights? You know how many times on you go? Or open your eyes so we can see you? Something like I know you can see me because the windows are open. There's light in here. Like, it's not that dark. Also, I'm not as dark as black. But even if I was, I would still look good. So what's the point? Yes, confidence. 
<laughs> exactly yeah and even um oh i have a friend and people are so mean to him they said that he looked like a monkey that he was swinging from trees because his family is first generation africans so they said that he was swinging from trees that he never knew what water was that he never owned a pair of shoes oh my god All kinds of stuff to him. it's horrible i can't even imagine right that's so horrible and especially like to tie in with literature if you're experiencing like that hate that microaggressions should even be called microaggressions because it's literally aggression Aggression. (laughs) yes but to have all that be like a victim of and then also on the other side like not have any of the struggles be represented in literature i can only imagine like how alone you'll feel how isolated from the rest of the community you can feel especially living in america where minorities are literally so they're considered like foreign animals you know so I can definitely imagine how alone that must be and especially as a black girl do do you want to like talk about how maybe it's affected you in terms of success with your business or like how it's hindered maybe the way people see you or like like see you as a person or a successful person yeah so um first people always look at my age first so when they hear that I'm the founder of Brown Kids Reading they're like you're only 15 like how does that work they're so confused because of my age most people are supportive and they're proud of me especially because I'm young but some people discount the fact that I'm a teenager and then on top of that I have to be a black girl which I love but at the same (laughs) time people don't accept the fact that I can do this I'm very professional I'm very I have a big work ethic and I work hard to get what I want so when they say things like you'll never be successful or how are people gonna you know think about that saying that as me being the president like are you kidding me I'm going to be successful because I'm going to work hard and do it for myself so when people say things like you're not going to make it or you can't do this it just makes me want to work harder to prove them wrong yeah I completely get that especially as an Asian for me it sometimes like will translate into well, okay, first of all, there's, like, the whole stereotype, you know, worker bee, like, you know, we belong yeah. on a team to, like, you know, code for, like, a STEM project, you know, so, like, sometimes that's my motivation to, like, you know, go in the completely opposite direction, you know, humanities, like, social justice, which is, like, so <laughs> unheard of almost because Asians are, like, never represented. Thank you, yeah, they're never re- really represented or, like, seen in politics, like, that whole mm-hmm. area or, like, that whole scene, you know, so I definitely think that's maybe some sort of inner thing in me that really just wanted to change that you know sort of rebel against the system you know yeah Yeah, because I know a lot of people oh I'll give you an example so I met a girl a few months ago and I was talking to her mother and her mother was telling me they're also Indian and her mother was telling me how schools and all these people have big expectations for the girl's brother but the girl's brother has special needs and he struggles in school and he struggles doing things that take a lot of, you know, critical thinking. And with any other race, anybody else, it would be fine. People would be excited to help him or trying to help him progress. But with him, they always expect things to do things on his own just because he's Indian. He struggles in math. People expect him to do that perfectly. He struggles in science. People expect him to do that perfectly. I'm like, it's not the race, okay? It's the person. So if he's struggling with something, you need to help him, despite the fact that he's Indian or even if it's African or if he, if he's whatever, he's still a person who needs help. So you can't have that stereotype of all Asians are smart or all Black people are poor or all, like, wh- whatever it is, you still have to look at them as an individual and not as a group. 
Yeah, you said that really perfectly. And not even just school, it can also like, lead to problems with job interviews. You know, you'll be more like less likely to have a positive outcome because they already have you at the standard and like maybe you don't reach it perfectly because they put you at this like exceptionally high unreachable almost standard that like you can't reach because you know maybe you have special needs you know and like that's a whole intersectionality like perspective of it that people always overlook so yeah it's a really great example and um yeah I know that you really care about literature of course so what do you believe are some ways teenagers can like get more engaged in this because I know that like yeah technology has been a huge part of our lives especially with COVID-19 so first like what are some ways teenagers can get more connected with literature and also how I know you started a podcast like other ways your business has changed because of COVID-19. So the first thing I say is ways that you can get involved in literature my favorite way to do that is book clubs so when I read a book and another friend reads a book, it's another thing that we can bond over. Or if I read a book and a stranger reads a book, it's something we can bond over because we've both read the same piece of literature and then we both have ideas, we both have opinions, we both have something that we can start a conversation about. So if you're in a book club, you'll be able to discuss with people that you've never met before or even that you have met before and discuss different ideas and opinions and make new friends, make new connections, and then you'll be able to bond over more books. So I think that book clubs are a great way to do that. I also think that another way that you can bond over books, and this is another way to get engaged, is to teach a person about a book or teach somebody about a topic that's in a book. So, for example, there's a book called The Voting Booth by Brandy Colbert that I'm about to read. And once I read that, I'm going to go teach people about the importance of voting and the importance of using your voice, especially if you're a minority in America, because yeah. a lot of time we are tried to be silenced. And that is not a good thing and something we need to change. So voting is a really big step to get there. And I think that using the topics in a book to teach somebody else that same topic is a great way to get engaged. Yeah, and I know you recently started an initiative about clubs and um, making that be like alongside social justice. Um, is that like similar to what you just described? Or? Yeah, it's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, so okay. started a book club called the Book Junkie Insiders Club, which is based off of the podcast because all of the books that we do there are young adult literature and three different books that we did this time. So we're kind of doing them in sets per month. So we have mentors. So the mentors read the book and then they guide the teenagers through the discussion. And the books we have are Dear Martin by Nick Stone. We have... Um, just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And yeah, those are the two that we have. We actually have two. So we have Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, Stevenson and Dear Martin by Nick Stone. And those two books are really important because they're bringing light to the prison injustice system and police brutality. So that's something I really wanted to focus on, especially because of the Black Lives Matter movement that's yeah. getting really big now. And I'm really excited about that because we're going to make some change in the world, especially as Yes, well. I'm all for that. Yeah. And on top of that, the book clubs are actually action oriented. So once the book club is over, they're going to, the teenagers and the members are going to be able to take steps to make a difference. So that might mean doing a campaign. It might mean writing letters to government officials. It might mean starting an Instagram page to get people excited about these issues and pay more attention to them. I love that. Yeah, I feel like with people in social justice, like the first thought is, oh, like the only step I can really be a part of is awareness. You know, that feels like very... Mm -hmm like not helpful or like you know just like 
that'll make people apathetic because they feel like, oh, not much, you know, difference can come from that. Like actually creating action from that awareness and information and education is like definitely huge. Like starting clubs to educate more people, sending petitions, talking to like local government officers. Yeah, that's definitely great. Um, have you ever like partaken in social justice based on like books you read? Like what books have like really impacted you on the way you view social justice? Like what books have really sparked your interest in like certain aspects of the world? So when I read Just Mercy, it's actually the reason, part of the reason why I wanted to start a book club, because it's something that was really impactful and it really opened my eyes to what's going on in the prison system and how skewed that it is. And I was inspired by it to start a book club. And also when I read Children of Blood and Bone, I was like, I want to be able to have conversation with other teenagers about this. I read this, I read that like around my birthday, so January. And since then I was thinking about a book club. How am I going to do a book club? But of course I had the podcast and I was just starting that up and I launched it in May. So that's why I needed to take a step back, but we finally launched it, which is really cool. And that's um, my way of getting people inspired to take action. So although I'm busy and I have a lot of things on my plate, it's hard to add something else onto that. So I wanna create, not really many me's because these people are my age, but people that have the same inspiration as I do. That's great, yeah, thanks for that. Um, just switching gears a bit, mental health and emotional well-being is something like I really wanna highlight throughout mm-hmm. this podcast. So we kind of glossed over this in the beginning, but what do you like, personally even, how has literature and diversity in literature really impacted your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, how you view self-image, you know, or self-image of, you know, the Black community, things like that, or how have you seen that fostered in the kids you've helped through uh, Brown Kids Read? So first, overall, like, books themselves are my escape. So I do a lot of stuff, and when I get to sit down and read a book and relax, it's just a way for me to cleanse and to just enjoy the story, and it takes me to a different place. So I think that's a really good way for teenagers, especially in terms of mental health, having rest is very important because a lot of the time our lives feel like you have to do this and then you have school and then you have sports and then you have something else, and it's just like bam, 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 and you don't have time to calm down, but when you read a book, you have to read the words on the page. You have to understand the story and comprehend the plot and what's going on with the characters. And you're concerned about their lives and not just your own. And you're thinking about something else that won't stress you out. So I think that in terms of mental health, reading books themselves is a great way for rest, which is very important. Yeah, that's huge. Especially, yeah. especially since it's a way to sort of detach yourself because you don't have to be like as involved in the book but like in terms of current events like I know there's like a lot of media overload in terms of like current events with COVID-19 and like you know the Black Lives Matter protests like and what's going on like of course it's always been happening but like how it, the media is now highlighting police brutality like I'm sure a lot of people can feel mentally like you know like just scared for their lives and you just feel like the sense of hopelessness in terms of you know the betterment of our government or the world things like that so I definitely think like having that escape is definitely a good healthy remedy for that yeah oh you yeah can and I think yeah oh thanks um I just think that for example Dear Martin like it was about police brutality and my dad is a black man my brother is a black boy he's only nine years old but he can go outside and get shot dead for something that he didn't do or because he's just walking down the street. My dad can't walk from here to the store wearing a hood because he might get killed or something else. And it's just so horrible because I feel like, I I feel scared a lot of the time, especially at night when they're out 
And I, I think that it's important to see those scenarios and those specific situations reflected in literature. So Dear Martin is actually something that I saw that could happen to my dad, or at least it means that those situations are being highlighted and it means that awareness is being brought to it. So that's another thing that goes into mental health awareness where you don't have to be so worried about people not writing about your situations or writing about what's going on because if you see a book like that if you see a story like that then you know somebody actually cares yeah there's like a great sense of hope you can get for that I'm like what do you the way you described it really made me more inclined to read it yeah I'm definitely gonna add that to my list um yeah is there I also like briefly asked about how you've seen it help the kids you've helped through brown kids read have you seen like any of that change occur in them Yes, so I've seen a lot of kids that read books that are from the Brown Reads bookshelf, and then their parents come to me and they talk about how much they love the book and how they want to read so much more now, and how they just really, really enjoy reading as a form of entertainment. And I think that is so cool. It's so awesome. It's so inspiring because right now, those kids, instead of reading a book, they could go watch TV or they could go play on their iPad, but instead they're choosing to read a book, which is something I think that's really important. It's really interesting and inspiring that they decided to do that because of Brown Kids Read. Yeah, that's huge. It's definitely great, especially with technology being so addicting, you know. I feel like it's definitely a good way to, like, have a diverse outlet in terms of that. Yeah, um, what else is there? Uh, personally, do you feel like, in terms of, like, finding more literature, like, what do you believe are the next steps? Because I'm sure in the recent years, like, you know, there have been more BIPOC authors, BIPOC stories, but I'm sure we have a long way to go. So, like, what is something you'd like to see in the future of writing, reading, etc.? So in order, in terms of finding diverse books, I find, I'd say find stores like the Brown Reads Bookshelf where all the books are featuring people of color. Or I'd say go to the library or go and look up a website where, because there are so many people that have done lists compiling, compiling diverse books and people just don't know about them. But so if you go through all of those or you can just go on Amazon. I can tell you right now that every week I probably spend about two to three hours browsing Amazon for new yes. books. I just put so many in my wish list, in my cart, and in my favorites. And I just really love looking for new books. So you just have to find a love for it and you will be able to find the books. And if there's a gap in the market, um, I'm doing something about it. So hopefully like we'll make that um better in the future but you can just find books and try to find books that reflect you that's great yeah um is there we've covered a lot is there anything else you want to like go uh deeper into or like talk about more um let me think um <laughs> i'd say in terms of i'd also say that writing is really important yeah i know i heard from yeah. one of your other interviews that you're writing a children's book or that's a yes do you yes, want to talk about that? Yes, yeah, so I'm writing a children's book. can't really say a lot about it right now, but um, the main character is based on my little brother, and the story is about um, a really big project that we're doing for Brown Kids Read, so that's going to be really awesome. Also want to write a young adult novel, a dystopian novel, since I love that genre so much, so yes. I that too. And I'm really excited for that. And I just say that writing is really important for teenagers because how are there going to be any books if people don't write? Like, there will not be any books if you don't actually sit down and write your story. And I think that in order for people to identify you, you have 
identify with you, you have to write a story that is something you know about, something you care about. So if you write a story about your experience or something that you know, then you'll, you, maybe you can publish a book and you can have somebody else identify with your story and learn to love literature because you decided to write that. So that's why I'm really big on essay contests and poetry contests and things like that because it gets teenagers and other kids in the spirit of writing and it makes them excited about reading as well. Yeah, for sure. Also, one, I had a huge dystopian book phase, like Hunger Games. Me too! Yes, oh Oh my my god. God. Yeah, I know. I, like, would watch the movies with, like, a burning passion. It was not okay. (laughs) I definitely need to, like, get back into that. Like, I'm really basic in terms of reading books in that genre, so, like, after this, recommend me, you know, give me a list. But, yeah, in terms of, oh, you said something about writing. Yeah, I feel like in terms of writing books, I feel like a huge thing is, like, code switching and, like, sort of catering yourself towards the book writing industry you know because I feel like people will be pressured to like write books about white characters like white girls these privileged rich families you know because that's the story people want to hear people like that's what they know about too exactly like that's the main part the media is occupying and highlighting you know like the freaking Kardashians like everyone's entertained oh my gosh yes people watch them versus you know watching real poverty in real parts of the world you know because it's so glorified and it's, it's also like in a way, like, you know, connecting to mental health, it's, like, what people want to see, because it makes you feel better about the world, it just makes your mind, takes your mind away from, you know, the true realities, harsh realities that people go through and struggle with, so I definitely think that in terms of the next generation writing their own stories, they definitely have to write from a perspective of authenticity, you know, be genuine, like, don't, like sugarcoat the hardships because that will only make your readers feel like they're not represented make them feel more alone if they're going through hardships that which everyone of course goes through so I think it's definitely huge in terms of writing and I we also briefly mentioned this earlier but it seems like your mom was a huge inspiration for you in terms of you know fostering that love of writing maybe even like making becoming a businesswoman you know yes my mom is an entrepreneur too both of my parents oh wow so like how she inspired you and like how do you Like, how do you think she helped you get where you are today? Well, first, my mom homeschooled me once I got into sixth grade, which really, really helped with the fostering of Brown Kids Read and making it into what it is now, because I had a lot more time on my hands because I was just able to go through school quickly, get what I need to get done, done, and then I was able to focus on Brown Kids Read. So I'm really glad that she decided to homeschool me. But on top of that, she is also a person who comes up with really great ideas and she's kind of my idea person so (laughs) when I want to come up with something new for brown kids reader we need to solve a problem she's always there to help me and she's always there to help me figure out what the problem is and how we can solve it so she was really big on that but also in the beginning, both of my parents, I'm so grateful for this, but they gave me a loan for the first oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, they <laughs> gave me great. a really big loan for Brown Kids Read for the Brownies bookshelf. So once I sold all those books, I got it back. But without that loan, we would not have any books to sell. We would probably be run into the ground because we wouldn't have any way for profit. Yeah, for sure. And it just goes to show how like resources is like a huge thing in terms of, you know, being successful, getting your story heard because there are billions of people on this earth with so many specific stories and like some of them won't have the opportunities to share, you know, their own perspective of the world. And I think that's really tragic, but like definitely in terms of like being a person of color, I think we also like have a responsibility not to like, you know, represent our entire community but like also highlight those voices and our own voices which aren't always highlighted and represented with the mainstream media you know yeah and in terms of brown kids read what is like your long-term goal like what is 
what is something you would like to reach where at that point you would feel like this has been a success, like everything, all the work and effort I've put into this is complete, is fulfilled, like where, what will be that point or event where you feel like everything has been a success, you know? I feel like Brown Kids Read is something that will be able to go on forever because there's always going to be a gap because America is a majority white. But I feel like one of the biggest goals I want to do for Brown Kids Read is eventually turn it into a publishing company, but not just a regular publishing company, a publishing company that does events at schools, that gets kids excited, that does contests, that works with companies to get their employees excited about diversity and inclusion. I just want it to be something that people can go to knowing that they're going to find diversity and inclusion. And I would also love to have a talk show about young Yes, oh my God, I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Like it's something that people would enjoy and it's something that people would need. And I would be able to talk to authors, teenage authors. I would be able to talk about books, give book reviews, you know? I think that I'm gonna start doing that in a YouTube channel format, but, like after that if I could get a studio if I could get production like that would be so cool I would just that oh my goodness that would blow me (laughs) I would love that so much I love how ambitious that is yes well if there is something else you want to add this has been really amazing yeah it sounds like uh, brown kids read definitely has a huge future definitely excited for future projects and I would definitely check you guys out read books you guys recommend and yeah this has been a really great experience especially from a teen to another teen because you're doing so much like it's only a two-year age gap not even wait you're 15 mm-hmm. yeah I'm 14 so oh yeah gap. yeah this, which is so inspiring to me so any lasting thoughts maybe to you know the people who are watching this of color like, and like what you want to tell them about literature and its significance and how you know lasting thoughts sure so i'd say the first step to finding a love for literature or continuing your love for literature is finding a book that reflects you that's basically what i what i want to say you can find a book with somebody that looks like you, somebody that shares your experience, somebody that lives in the same place you are, and that will really help you with your self-image. That's great. Yeah, completely oh, agree with everything you just said. Thank you for having me on your of podcast. Of course, it's I been really so great. It. Yeah. All right, thank you.